Green Scene on the Pat Kenny Show with AIB, working alongside Irish communities towards a low-carbon future. We pledge to do more. In the green scene today, more trouble for the ozone layer, but first how restoring just nine groups of animals to healthy populations could help combat global warming. We're joined by Dr. Ruth Freeman, Director of Science for Society at Science Foundation Ireland. Ruth, good morning. Good morning, Pat. This is extraordinary. Just nine groups of animals and they could do a lot. It seems totally implausible, doesn't it? And and often we think when we're going to protect forests, you know, that, that perhaps protecting the animals in them will just be a nice side effect of having the forest there to capture carbon. But this work from Yale that was published in Nature Climate Change really turns that a bit on its head. And what it does is it looks at the roles that these animals themselves play in capturing carbon. And the nine animals that we would need to look at, there's six groups that we would need to maintain. Uh, Those are fish, grey wolves, muskox, sea otters, sharks and wildebeest. Uh, And we would need to grow the populations of African forest elephants, American bison and baleen whales, whales that eat krill. And the reason is that these animals are helping ecosystems to capture carbon. So when it comes to plants, they're obviously grazing on plants. They're they're dropping their faeces in the forest. They're moving seeds around. They're building nests and burrows. They're trampling the soil and moving it around. And that means that big plants like trees are growing more effectively. They're capturing more carbon. The soil is becoming a carbon sink. Um, Of course, if they're predators, they're going to be predating on some of the smaller animals that maybe might damage plants. So, So these large animals are supporting a whole ecosystem that is enabling the earth to capture carbon. A good example you have is the the wildebeest and what happened when their numbers were depleted. Exactly. So through disease, their numbers dropped very low in the early 20th century. And of course, what happened is they weren't grazing. The grasslands really grew out of control. And then there was huge amounts of fire, of course, releasing massive amounts of carbon into the atmosphere and and loads of carbon. So so I think this just this study really forces us to start thinking differently about how these big species engage with us. And, And the authors here think that they could capture up to six gigatons of carbon per year. And that that would have a real and meaningful difference in terms of our targets to try and keep the planet um, below 1.5 or 2 degrees of warming. Now the sea otter has an interesting role to play. I mean kelp forests in the ocean, one of the most important places we capture carbon. The sea otters feed on sea urchins and as we've discussed before, when sea urchins get out of control, they can kill kelp forests completely. So again there we see that delicate balance between the predator, the invertebrates, the, 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 the algae and the marine environment. Um, So we need to really keep biodiversity and climate in our heads all Mm. the time. And the whale, (laughs) he, when he or she dies, they go to the bottom of the deep with a lot of carbon built in. amounts of carbon. And while they're alive, they are a key part of supporting our phytoplankton, these tiny microscopic organisms that capture tons and tons of carbon in our oceans. OK, so by looking after these nine species, uh, we could do a lot to capture the carbon. Absolutely. Now, meanwhile, uh, at the ozone layer, uh, a little problem. A little problem. And it's funny, if you talk to a lot of younger people today, Pat, they actually haven't heard of the ozone layer, which is kind of a good thing. We all heard so much 
about it because we were so worried about this and huge And there was going hole. to be skin cancers to Absolutely, beat the band. That, and was, that was identified in 1985. But actually science and, and, and politics worked amazingly. Only two years after the hole was identified, we came up with the Montreal Protocol, which banned chlorofluorocarbons or CFCs, which were the chemicals that we were releasing, which were causing the hole in the ozone layer. And we were all using CFCs in our fridges. In uh, they were used as propellants in yeah, aerosols. Exactly. But scientists came up with other versions of chemicals to use. So, so that was a real good news story. And the hole was gradually repairing itself. And in fact, we think it'll be completely repaired by about 2060, which is great. But scientists in Bristol have worryingly now found CFCs in the atmosphere again. So there's about five different uh, CFCs that they found. They're not certain where they're coming from at this point. There's a number of possible sources. They don't think they're likely to be coming from the US or Europe because we have very stringent air pollution monitoring in place in those areas. So if anyone's um, releasing CFCs, we detect it we fairly detect quickly. We detect it here. So there have been uh, examples of factories in Asia and China where there have been amounts before. They could be coming from there. But inter- interestingly, they could also be coming from the ocean because as we use CFCs for decades, the oceans absorbed those chemicals. Mm-hmm. And as the concentrations now dropping in the atmosphere, those chemicals might be leaching back up Okay, into so the there's a balance between the CFCs in the atmosphere and the CFCs in the ocean. Exactly. As it lowers in the atmosphere, then it must also lower in the seas. They push their way out. Exactly. Just the, the chemical reaction because of the two different concentrations. So, 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 I mean, it's not too worrying at this point. It's a very, very small amount. But I think it's worth reminding ourselves. CFCs are also very potent greenhouse gases. They capture a lot of heat. So, so it may be time for us to, I suppose, reinforce the Montreal Protocol and make sure that we are keeping people's toes to the fire when it comes to their environmental commitments. Dr. Ruth Freeman, Director of Science for Society at Science Foundation Ireland. Uh, Thank you very much. Green Scene on the Pat Kenny Show with AIB, working alongside Irish communities towards a low carbon future. We pledge to do more.